text there because we're all human. It's just a tool, you know, it's just an extension. I was, I was talking about in my talk, I was talking about the Millennium Falcon. Why is that bit of tech okay? Like we kind of romanticize that one. And it's because it's a little bit imperfect. It feels more human. That brings charm. You know, we kind of feel warm about that. We like listening through the crackle of the noise. It just makes us feel at ease with it all. Welcome to episode 188 of Be The Drop, a weekly interview podcast sharing stories from inspirational people to help you learn how to tell your story. I'm Amelia Ville, Director at Narrative Marketing and firm believer in the superpower of storytelling. Visual storytelling is incredibly powerful, particularly when it comes to conveying emotion. Feature films deliver the ultimate form of visual storytelling by connecting us with narratives that deliver impact. Territory Studio use motion design and visual effects technology to enhance and enrich a cinematic world to bridge fiction and fact, the future and now. David Sheldon Hicks started Territory Studio in 2010. Trained in graphic design, he was always fascinated with moving imagery and using technology to build worlds. David has worked on a range of major Hollywood blockbusters, including Prometheus, The Dark Knight, Casino Royale and Guardians of the Galaxy. In this episode of Be The Drop, David shares behind-the-scenes insights from the making of the movies you love. He explains the importance of simplicity to the creative process and how emotion and technology can interact to create powerful modern-day stories. This is David's version of Be The Drop. Are you considering starting a podcast? At Narrative Marketing, we deliver a full range of podcast production options. Or if you'd like help getting started to produce your own content, we also deliver podcast training programs. Hit the link in the show notes for more details. David, thank you so much for joining me on our next episode of Be The Drop. We're here at Pause Fest. I feel like you may have come a fair distance. Have you travelled for this? Yeah, yeah. I came from London to Kuala Lumpur and then on to here. That was quite exciting. My first trip to Oz. So it's been... I've, I've always wanted to come to Melbourne because when I graduated, well, no, for my, for my college degree, I did... Uh, a thesis on all the great architects over here um, and I remember kind of looking at lab architects and all the great work that they were doing Federation Square and it completely inspired me so to come finally 20 years later uh, <laughs> to to look at that is was was just amazing well they do say better late than never yeah <laughs> so that's great well welcome and you've literally basically just come off the stage and your topic was called world vision the role of technology in storytelling now you know i've obnoxiously got on my t-shirt here i love storytelling good so this is definitely a topic that i and my listeners are really interested in but also you know you come from a really exciting background of hollywood movies which is fun and exciting in yeah. itself Yep. But before we get on to all of that, maybe just give us a little bit of context around, you know, this world of technology in storytelling because maybe, you know, people are like, what? How does that work? Yeah, so, I mean, when we started doing this, however long ago, it was, you know, it was 
doing computer systems for James Bond, and people didn't think anything about it. It's like, yeah, of course, James Bond just hacks into MI5, and surely you just use Microsoft Windows for that, and all that kind of stuff. But you have to design it all. You know, so it's all this invisible stuff that goes into films that you don't really think about. So I trained as a graphic designer, and no, I... Hang on, before you go on then, what? So did you really hack into MI5? No. No, no, no. So we're faking it. We fake it to make it. So, um, I mean, like I said at the talk, my, my mum thinks that we're essentially doing emails and spreadsheets for superheroes and I, and I guess that's some of it that's some of it but if we think about it technology says so much about us now and we're all using it we're all using our mobile phones we're all looking at tv screens and hopefully one day holograms and 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 a director needs to reflect back the reality of our world and then and create entertainment from that so they're really interested in how we're always using technology and they're wanting to put technology into movies and use it as part of the storytelling so we're involved in designing all of that and using design and graphics in storytelling to just tell a part of that story so we know that we're only a small part of it but it's amazing just to be a big part of that whole kind of storytelling exercise is incredible. Mm. And sorry, I did cut you off. You said you trained as a graphic designer. Yes, I trained as a graphic designer, but I always knew that I needed to make it move somehow. You know, it was for me, there was always left brain, right brain. I, I love creativity, but also got an inner geek going on. So I needed to kind of scratch both of those itches. And just by, I guess I just had to end up here. It just made a whole load of sense that it was, it was using graphics, it was using technology to to tell these stories, to, yeah, to build out these worlds, be a part of this world building. And I, and I just love imagining the what if. I love that blue sky thinking, just thinking, you know, if we stay on this trajectory, Blade Runner 2049 might be a real thing. You know, that might actually happen. Are we all okay with that? You know, let's show you what that looks like. If you're happy with this trajectory that we're all on, do we all want to live in this dystopian world? I find that fascinating. Yeah, well, I mean, I have often said we're basically just moving progressively closer to the Jetsons, right? You yeah. <laughs> the cars are flying in little streams around. I mean, we're, the drones, are, we, we're getting there. Yeah, it's all coming, yeah. <laughs> Skynet, robots, it's all coming. We've got, to, we've got to do something about it. So you've worked on some pretty cool films. I mean, you, you mentioned Bond, pretty great place to start. Um, tell us about some of the other projects and, and what you've been involved in doing. Yeah, so so our first our first project as a studio was Prometheus. We were really, really lucky to work with Ridley Scott. He'd, he'd, I'd, I freelanced for a while on film, so worked on The Dark Knight, worked on Casino Royale, and, and, and I think Ridley's team approached me because of the work on The Dark Knight. The Batmobile, I think, felt like a smaller version of what they wanted to do with the Prometheus spaceship. So that was an incredible first opportunity because the film had so much tech and holograms and screen graphics in it. It was a great showpiece for us as a studio. And then from that, we then went and worked with a very different director, Catherine Bigelow, who's just incredible, so generous. Um, and she didn't realise that all the graphics can actually be live on the film set. So it's not put in afterwards. We, we plumb it all in. We have it live in front of the actors. So on Zero Dark Thirty, when they're pointing at these kind of big screens on the film set, they're actually looking at that stuff. So that was an amazing project. And then we worked on lots of different films and built lots of good friendships. And then one day, uh, Charlie Woods, who's a, an amazing production designer, approached us and said, I've got this weird film that I'm working on. I think you guys would be great for it. And it was Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, this is weird, reading the script. You've got <laughs> a walking, weird. talking tree and a ro robotic raccoon. But you read the script and it was so funny. And the best thing that James did as a director for the team, 
he wrote in the soundtrack. So you could see all the different music songs that he was choosing. And what's incredible about that is the hardest thing with the film is tuning in, before, before you see it, when you're making it, tuning into the director's vision. But sound is so emotive. You know, you, you get so much from understanding the soundtrack of the movie, like the guts of it, the, most, the emotional intent. So we were thinking about the emotion of the film more than we were thinking about the tech. And so when you're doing that, the design work just ends up being in this completely different space. And it might not feel like real technology, but it felt true to the characters in the film. Um, as much as you can make technology that's relevant to walking, talking tree, you know, it's, it's quite <laughs> tricky. Um, so we've, we've had an amazing trajectory. We're very, very fortunate. I think we, we do take the work that we do really seriously. We know that we can't repeat ourselves. That's really important to film directors. They want to know that their project is the most important. They want it to truly be unique. It's their chance to tell the world something that means a lot to them. You know, they have a point. I always want to know from a director, what is your point? What are you saying? And, and design just forms a part of that, um, and production design and all the rest of it, visual effects. We're all trying to help the director just get across their point. Um, so more, you know, we've worked on lots of Marvel films. We're working on um, some DC Universe stuff at the moment. We've just finished the latest Bond film, um, which will be out in cinemas soon. And we've, we've incredibly just fortunate to be working on all these films and Netflix shows and TV shows um, and do, just doing what we love to do. It's, um, yeah, I kind of have to pinch myself sometimes to believe that this is, I'm being paid to do this. Um, I'm very lucky. Yeah, I think you create your luck. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, work quite hard to kind of go <laughs> along with it. Um, yeah, films are incredibly intense. And I think that that can, it can weigh you down if you're not enjoying it. So you have to make sure you're enjoying it and, um, and, and seeing it for what it is, you know. And, and we see so much, so much of the real world coming into films now that you, that you see that you create these messages that really resonate with people. It does have meaning. You know, yes, it's entertainment, but these live on with us. It's, it's incredible, really, to have... And it's so rare now. Design can be quite throwaway, depending on what you're working on. But when you're working on a feature film, it kind of becomes part of the cultural consciousness. And um, when I talk about it with my friends, they kind of get, you know, they get the reason that, that I just don't see them very often. <laughs> and it's interesting, you talked about that, the importance of understanding the emotional intent and not letting the technology get in the way. Because I, I think we see that frequently, you know, if there's too much focus on the tech, then you're missing the point of why it exists. Yeah, well, I mean, the tech's there because we're all human. Like, we, we, we it, it's just a tool, you know, it's just an extension. I was, I was talking about, in my talk, I was talking about the Millennium Falcon. Why is that bit of tech okay? Like, we kind of romanticise that one. And it's because it's a little bit imperfect. It feels more human, you know, and to have a bit of characters, to imbue a little bit of character into the tech and make it more human, um, that brings charm. You know, we kind of feel warm about that. But if it's a cold bit of tech, like, you know, um, Terminator... You know, that, that gives us suspicion. And we're kind of, what's going on? I don't trust that that machine's thinking. That's too much now. So we, we imbue emotion onto technology in a really funny way. And, and so when I was talking about Blade Runner earlier, I was talking about actually just standing away from the tech, not using technology tool set. Denise said, look, we're making a film that is, 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 is 
originally made in the 1970s, but we need to make it relevant for an audience now. So we need to change the, our creative process, the creative way that we make films. Let's use some of those traditional tools, but then overlay digital. So let's meld those two tool, tool sets together and see what comes out. That was a stroke of genius. You know, he, he really thought about, he wasn't thinking about the end result. He was thinking about how we work and then how that will automatically affect the things that come out. And, um, and it did, it really, really worked. You know, we were using analog projectors and photography and reprojecting over the top. And, and it would just bring this sense of atmosphere to everything that we had and an amount of history. You know, you trust technology once it's been out there for a while. You know, I still have a romantic fascination with um, record players and old Walkmans and those sorts of things. And, it, and it's kind of okay that it's imperfect. We kind of, we like listening through the crackle of the noise. It just makes us feel at ease with it all. That perfection sometimes can just be a little bit harsh um, for us all. So I understand why we react like that. And actually it's okay to mix digital and analog. You know, um, I know the new Star Wars films have been shooting on film. And, and film is a... It is analog, but it's also almost ahead of digital in some ways. It's such a mature technology that the beauty in that is just quite wonderful. And um, just because we have new things doesn't mean we always have to use them. It's okay to use those older technologies in, in production. Mm. And then from your perspective, what is the richness that it adds to the story? Well, it's, it's just all emotion, isn't it? We're, you know, we, we're making films for humans. No, one's else, no one else is, as far as I'm aware, uh, <laughs> no one else is watching them. So we, you kind of need to resonate with everyone. And the, the only way to do that, we're, we're all emotional beings. You know, we, we all have our fears. We're all going through... Life is hard, you know, and, and we need to connect. That connection in audience, through audiences, in cinemas. That needs to happen. That's, that's why we're all doing this. You know, we all love telling stories. Um, if you read that book, Sapiens, you know, it's incredible. You look back at our history, and the reason that we've, we've progressed is because we're all storytellers. You know, our, we're moving on through, not because we're passing on our DNA, but we're passing on these stories. You know, we can't keep on making the same mistakes. So stories are important to, um, and to us all. And, uh, and, and just being a part of that storytelling is so important, but it, it needs to feel human. You know, it's not going to connect with people. If, you, if you, you focus on the technology, it's only ever going to resonate if you start thinking about the emotion and what you're tuning people into. So that's so key. And we work with technology all the time, but it's not really our focus. It's just our paintbrush. You know, mm. that's so important to think that way. Mm. And so what has been some of the biggest challenges in making that work, you know, using technology in a film environment? Um, well, there's just so many options now. So choosing the right one is, is often hard. We, um, every single film will change the makeup of a team, will change the tools that we use. We'll always question, is this the right tool set this time? I think, you know, working with Denis made me realise that it doesn't all have to be digital. Some of it can be analogue, but choice. You know, too much choice. Pairing things down and making things simpler is so, so important to that, that creative part of, of filmmaking. Um, and then just operating at the highest possible level. You know, films always want to improve. We always want it to be better, faster. Um, and production schedules get crunched. And, and, and that's fine. You know, that's just life. That's the life, you know, for any project, things, things have to work at quite a fast pace. But you know it's going to be seen by millions. So it's in your own personal pressure of just 
doing it justice. You know, we, we're creators because we care and it's just the way that we're wired. You know, I can't help that I have to do this. Um, it maybe sometimes drives my wife insane, but uh, it, 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 it's just who I am. I can't help it. I need to make things. I need to express that through, through filmmaking. And um, yeah, and I'm just lucky that that's, that's, that's the opportunity that I have now. Mm. No, I've talked about that. It's not just luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm very clever. <laughs> so then, you know, what advice would you give, you know, if people are thinking how to integrate technology into storytelling? You know, are there some, some lessons you've learned along the way of things to try and avoid? Uh, well, just try everything really fast, break everything, and the things that are still standing, then use those. Um, you know, everyone talks about fail fast, but that's absolutely true. So, especially on filmmaking, you need to get all the crap ideas out of the way first, and all the crap technologies out of the way first. So, um, so stress test it, you know, give it a go. Did that work? No. What did we learn from that? This. Okay, move on to the next one. And it's, and it's not being precious. Initially, it's, it's just finding your way you know you're kind of moving through mist and slowly but surely things come into focus and as they come into focus you've learned so much on the way so we've you know we've built up a lot of scar tissue we've worked on a lot of different films and um we've probably been shouted at by a lot of different people uh, some quite famous people and um and uh, but that's fine you know that's fine that's just don't don't be too precious don't believe in your own hype it's the worst thing you can do and just we're all about just finding solutions. Mm. And it's interesting because, you know, you're talking about a creative process and so part of that is an injection of your thoughts and thinking in, in creativity. But you're saying, like, really remove, you know, any ego or preciousness around that because you've got to be able to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always just moving forward. Always, always, always. Because you look at these films and people do scrutinise them. It's incredible. Like, I've had people pause shots that we've worked on and say, why is David Hicks sending an email to James Bond? Why is, why is he sent a stationary request to James Bond? It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to step in here on this blog because they're taking this far too seriously. And I was just trying to put my name on the screen, for goodness sake. Um, so, you know, uh, we play all of these games. And, um, but you do, it just needs to be so well-crafted. And I love that about film. I love that it's not a race towards the bottom. It's actually just making the best work possible, you know? And, and it's so rare that we get the opportunity to do that these days. But when you get a real chance to blue sky think, imagine these worlds, and then, and then make them feel so real um, and, and seductive, you know, potentially, well, Blade Runner's not seductive, but, you know, just, just making you feel, making people feel, um, yeah, it's amazing. Mm. So then, you know, Talking about blue sky thinking and that creative process, like, do you know what's your initial approach to that? You know, if you're trying to discover the director's intent and they've given you, you that, then you step back and take it with yeah. the team. What are some of the key things you need to go through to try and bring this into focus? Listen, I mean, you have to listen. Um, Ridley would kind of, you know, talk for a good hour and he would be spinning out all of his thoughts as you're going along, you're thinking, wait for it, wait for it, he's going to give me the golden nugget in a minute. And then right at the end, he gives you this golden nugget. It's like, right, that's the thing that I was looking for. It's that thing. Different, different directors have different processes. There's a, there's a wonderful commercial director that we work with called Saman Kesh and he does these brilliant websites when he's briefing in projects and it's got like a SoundCloud mixtape at the top. So he'll, he'll kind of get everyone feeling about the environment 
and then he'll play you videos and then he'll play you pictures and then you get little snippets of the script and it's kind of like this mood film for the film that he's about to make and all the heads of kind of watch this thing it's like yeah I get it and then you'll have a round table and you start discussing it and like right I can do this and you can do this but on bigger films that happens in a slightly different way so you know the best thing about working on a film is you kind of walk through these corridors and you walk through the art department corridor and all their thinking is on the walls. So you've got all these image references and materials and just concept artwork and you're just like surrounded by it. And then you go into the costume department and they're looking at all these different fabrics and different weaves and playing around with sewn in plastics and you're just seeing how inventive they're being and then you talk to visual effects and they're playing around with all sorts of kind of practical stuff and then scanning things. So you're, it's like being back at art college, you know, you're kind of immersing yourself and everyone's going at the problem at the same time and then you start sharing your stuff and then a couple of weeks later you start noticing your graphics on like a costume and then you start seeing some stuff in the art department, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that because I used my initials and now it's about two metres tall on a blast door. Um, and so there's a lot of sharing of creativity and it's very... It's very open, you know, no one's closed off. They're like, we've all got to solve this problem at the same time. Um, how are we going to do it? And, it? and it is just sweating and living inside that kind of creative process. Um, the, the, the best advice I can give anyone is, is think about your, you know, your college days, your art days when you were, it was so free, you know, it was so, so free. And if you're going to create truly original work or work that matters, you have to look at the problem there's going to be similar problems to solve, but you have to look at it through a different lens and from a different angle. You have to. You, you, you owe the project that. Not everything's been done before. I don't... I just That is a get-out clause for laziness. Um, and you have to you have to just you owe it to yourself to find to find the best solution possible mm, fantastic well david thank you so much for your time in conclusion though could you share with me your be the drop tip so and that is your top tip for communication that motivates and inspires i th i think i i think the the most inspiring thing for me is is just complete and utter escapism so but it's escapism that kind of makes us actually think about what we're doing now. So, you know, when when we're imagining the what if, it's actually coming from a place of actually we're here. We're we're living this life now. What we're saying about the future is actually making more of a comment about now. So, so and that's such a big thing. You know, this it isn't just entertainment. We we have a point. Everyone should have a point. Think about what you're trying to say to everyone. Um, because if, 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 if you're motivated by the message you're trying to say or by the message the director's trying to say, you'll just put everything behind it. You know, you've, you've got to believe in the stories you're telling. Now, it's tricky because sometimes we get scripts and you think, well, I don't know if this film's going to be that good. You know, are we going to take this on? Um, but you, then you buy into people and you, you understand what it is that they're trying to say. And you go, do you know what? I believe in this. I believe that this message has meaning to a wide audience and it's worth me spending a year of my life making this story. Mm, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. 
Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that.